God's weapons are so powerful, you could take just one of them. You could take one of them and whip the devil upside his head all day long. Seven seven six seven trouble with a purpose part five. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word because brother, you need the word. <laughs> Just a little humor. Leroy goes to the revival and he listens to the pastor. And after a while, the pastor asks if anyone has any needs to be prayed over to come to the altar at the front. So Leroy gets in line, and when it's his turn, the pastor asks, he said, Leroy, what do you want me to pray about for you? And Leroy replies, he said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my hearing. And the pastor puts one finger in Leroy's ear, and he places the other hand on top of Leroy's head, and he prays and prays and prays and prays. And after a few minutes, the pastor removes his hands and he stands back and he said, Leroy, how is your hearing now? Leroy says, I don't know, pastor, it's not until next Wednesday. (laughs) Well, I've been in the middle of sharing in a particular series on trouble with a purpose trouble with a purpose and today is part five today is part five of that series trouble with a purpose flip over in your bibles if you will to second corinthians second corinthians chapter one second corinthians chapter one and we'll just read a couple of verses there verse three and four second corinthians chapter one verse three and four when you get there say amen second corinthians chapter one we'll begin with verse three and read verse four it says Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation or trouble, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And so we're talking about trouble with a purpose, and this is part five. Trouble with a purpose, part five. And these verses let us know that Jesus said that in the world you're going to have trouble, so you might as well prepare for it and expect it and and be ready for it when it comes. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. But Jesus also said, he said, have a good heart on it. He said, have a good heart, be of good cheer, have a good heart on it. So he's saying at least approach trouble with the right perspective. At least approach it with the right perspective. Keep it in its proper perspective and you'll be fine. And so this is one perspective that we gain here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is one perspective. One perspective of trouble is that we gain something in trouble that becomes beneficial in our ministry to others. But because of what happens to us, we are able to impart the very thing that delivered us or the very thing that gave us victory, the very thing that helped us to make it, we are able to take that same thing and now apply it to the lives of others to be a blessing to others. 
And so it lets us know that this purpose is beyond ourselves, but that trouble sometimes is simply God using you. He allows you to go through something because he wants to use you for a greater ministry. He wants to use you for a greater ministry. And so when you go through it yourself, it humbles you. Sometimes you have to be humbled. And so trouble has a way of humbling you. It has a way of humbling you. It humbles you, brings you to your knees. And so it humbles you. It also allows you to understand other people better, makes you more compassionate toward others, makes you empathetic with others. And so, you know, when you get sick, you're able to empathize with others who are sick because now you know what it feels like. And so trouble has a way of bringing us down a notch It makes us humble, makes us more compassionate, makes us more empathetic, makes us understand others better. And we gain something in our trouble. We gain valuable experience that we are able to share with others. Also in this particular text, it talks about the fact that we're able to uh, deepen our faith. It goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, some of the later verses. It talks about how trouble causes us to trust God, causes us to deepen our faith. Sometimes people don't pray until they get in trouble. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. At least you're praying, you know. It's better if you pray all the time, but, you know, at least you're praying. But prayer, it deepens our faith. We learn what it is to trust God and to know him on a different level. We experience him in a whole new way. We press into him when we're in trouble. And so trouble has spiritual value when you have the right perspective on trouble. But God uses trouble in our lives in this particular way we're looking at as a way of ministry to others. It equips us, gives us greater experience and wisdom and value to share with others who will be going and traveling the same road that you've traveled yourself. And so now you're understanding and you're empathetic. I brought a little video that really shares this thought and really brings it out in a vivid fashion. A.V., if you can roll that, and just keep in mind the two verses we just read as you watch this video. I heard the most incredible story about the six-year-old boy. His name is Charles Mully. He wakes up to what I think is every kid's nightmare. His parents are gone. They've abandoned him. So his dad was a drunk. He figured Charles is six years old. He could survive on his own. Can you imagine? So Charles goes outside, and he asks his neighbors if anybody will help him. Nobody helps and so he becomes a beggar. And for the next 10 years, Charles Mully wanders the streets, begging, stealing, until he's a teenager and he's suicidal and he's got no hope. And then somebody invites him to go into a church, and for some reason he does. But in the church, he hears a sermon, and it's about forgiveness and faith, and it touches him. And so Charles walks for three days in rags, determined to change his life. And he finds in Nairobi, the biggest house in the city, and he knocks on the gate. Well, a woman opens the door, and Charles asks her if she has any food or any water. He's walked three days without shoes, and he says all he really wants is to work. Well, she sees something in him, and she gives him a chance. And Charles is such a hard worker that she gives him more and more responsibilities until Charles ends up running the entire estate. While he's running the estate, he meets a woman who is working in the fields. She smiles at him, and Charles never thought a woman would ever smile at him And so they were married. So Charles is saving his money and saving his money. And finally he buys this little taxi bus, which he starts driving 14 hours a day until he makes enough money 
to buy another bus and another and another until he has a whole fleet. And then he leverages the money he's making from this fleet of buses into real estate. And he does really well in real estate. So he leverages that money into the oil and gas business until Charles Mully becomes one of the richest men in all of Kenya. He and his wife Esther, they have eight kids, a big house, multiple businesses. But something feels wrong. So Charles pulls his fancy car over to the side of the road one day, and he prays. And he prays until he gets an answer. He goes home, and he tells his family he's selling all of his businesses. He's never going to work for money again. He wants to help street kids like him. Well, his family thinks he's gone crazy. But Charles goes out into the streets, and he befriends these drugged-out, dangerous kids. He tells them his story. He tells them about love and forgiveness and hope. And these kids start to trust him. And he brings one of these boys home, and then another, and then another. He builds dormitories in his backyard, in a classroom. He hires a teacher. He brings more kids home. And now he's got a few hundred kids living in his house with him. But they're running out of space, and they're running out of money. And then Charles decides they should all move to the land he's bought for their retirement in the middle of the desert. So now they've got hundreds of kids, and they build temporary housing. They're walking hours to get fresh water because it never rains. And meanwhile, Charles is still going back and forth to the slums and picking up more and more kids to help. Well, fortunately, a wealthy friend of theirs donates a truckload of food at the last minute, and then one of the adopted kids dies from typhoid, and they are devastated. Charles and Esther are praying for water every day and every night, and their biological kids are sure their dad and their parents have just gone mad. Charles wakes up in the middle of the night. He's hearing a voice in his head. And the voice says, walk 30 feet this way, 40 feet this way, and 100 feet this way, and dig, and there you'll find water. And the workers just quit. They say, no way. There's no underground wells in the desert. And in the meantime, some of the kids are digging this hole that gets deeper and deeper until it's 20 feet down. And of course, there's nothing but dirt until they hit rock bottom. But Charles is still raving to keep digging. Use the pickaxe, he says. But one of his youngest takes the pickaxe, and water gushes out. And there's this enormous, organically formed, freshwater reservoir right there. And I know it sounds completely made up at this point, but it's true. I went to Africa to see this for myself. So he doesn't just use this underground reservoir to satisfy all the children's need for water. He uses it to irrigate farmland where he plants crops and gets some of the mothers and parents of the adopted children to work these farms he started. And the farms do really well. They're growing green beans. And these green beans meet the international requirements for organic labeling. And so Charles starts exporting to Europe and becoming self-sustainable. Now, by this point, he has over a thousand children out there. And he has them all planting trees. They plant over a million and a half trees over the next five years. And this desert landscape develops its own microclimate because of the trees which are creating increased rainfall. And now Charles builds playgrounds and dorms and classrooms and medical centers. And he starts providing water and food and services not only to the children, but the neighboring villages. And over the next 27 years, they plant over 6 million trees. And Charles and his family rescue over 12,000 children who were once just like him and who likely would have died without his help. And this is a model that can be replicated everywhere. So I wanted to share it with you and invite you to join the largest family in the world, a family of care for each other. Please share this video and tag someone who's inspired you. Tag someone who's made a big impact on you, the mully in your life, not for money or fame, but for good. Praise God. Wasn't that a powerful story?
He wouldn't have had a heart for troubled children if he hadn't had trouble himself as a child. And so God used what looked like trouble and actually developed a ministry that he was able to use and relate and understand other children. And so that's one of the purposes of trouble in our lives. It's not always about you. God is trying to reach other people. He wants to do something greater through your life. I began to search God's word and I just wanted to know, Lord, what are your purposes for trouble? This is one we found here in Second Corinthians. And there are a variety of purposes for trouble and I jotted down some that I'll share with you as time permits. But here's another one I found. Flip over to Second uh, Corinthians where you are, but flip over to chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Here's another purpose for trouble when trouble comes into your life. In verse 6 and 7, now in this particular chapter, there was quite a bit of trouble, quite a bit of turmoil, quite a bit going on, a lot of afflictions and persecutions, imprisonments, beatings. And so there was a lot of trouble that was stirred up against the ministry, a lot of trouble. They went in a lot of trouble. But in verse 6 and 7, the apostle talks about how they overcame the trouble. In verse 6 and 7, he says, by pureness by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. And I began to see it. I said, Lord, I see what you're saying. They overcame trouble because the purpose of trouble in this instance was so that they can use all of the armor and all the artillery that you have given us as believers. God has equipped us. We have equipment. We have artillery. Folks, we are loaded. We are loaded. God has loaded us with his weapons. God has loaded us with armor. God has given us everything in the kingdom of God. Now, if you didn't have any trouble, you would never have a chance to use all of that stuff. <laughs> and so I began to say, I said, Lord, I see it. You give us trouble so we can use some of this artillery. So that we can use some of our weapons. You know, think about this. Think if you had a football team and they just practiced and practiced and practiced and ran plays and practiced but never had a game. If they never had an opportunity to use all the things that they had developed, to use their secret plays and all these different designs that they did in practice, think if it was only practice. Well, that's the way it would be if we never had trouble. Trouble gives us an opportunity to show off what we have to show off what we've been working on. You've been going to church all your life. You've been going to Bible study all your life. You've been reading the Bible all of your life. Trouble gives you the opportunity to now show what you have, to show what God has given you. And so this is the opportunity. So when trouble comes, I now get to dust off my faith and use my faith. When trouble comes, I get to dust off God's word and dig into those scriptures, all the scriptures I've been learning since I was a little boy. I get to now use that word in my life. You get to use it. So trouble allows you an opportunity to use everything that God has given you. I love spy movies. Anybody else love spy movies? I love spy movies. My favorite is Born, Born, somebody got, that's my favorite, Born Supremacy, that whole series. But one thing I noticed about all spy movies, they have one thing in common, especially when they're working in another country. First thing they do when they get to another country, they go see an arms dealer. 
<laughs> when they go see an arms dealer, and this arms dealer bring out all of this equipment. He said, man, we got these rocket launchers, and we got these hand grenades, and he goes through all of this equipment, and somewhere in that movie, that spy uses every piece. He finds a time to launch that rocket or to use that hand grenade. And so that's the way we are. We got all of this equipment. We got all of this equipment. So man, sometimes you ought to be glad to see trouble because now you can launch that rocket. You can use that hand grenade. You can use all of the artillery that God has given us. And so we get to use all the forces of the Spirit. We get to use all the gifts of the Spirit. We get to use all the fruit of the Spirit. We get to use all the armor of God. All of heaven is at our disposal. We get to use all of the ministry of angels. And if you understand your covenant that you have with angels and how they work for you, the Bible said that they are sent to minister for the heirs of salvation. And so you got an angelic force at your disposal. You have the Holy Spirit, God himself, living on the inside of you at your disposal. No wonder Jesus said, he said, you're going to have trouble in the world, but cheer up. I've already overcome the world, and I'm on the inside of you, and you're going to overcome the world as well. See, so I begin to see all of this equipment, all this armor we have. Man, we have the love of God. The love of God can't be resisted by anything. The Bible says love never fails. Folks, God's weapons are so powerful, you could take just one of them. You could take one of them and whip the devil upside his head all day long. Just one. I can just take love. I can just take love and whip him all day long. Just love alone is powerful enough to whip him. Just one weapon. That's just love. And then you start adding in joy. You start adding in peace and, and patience and gentleness and goodness. And you add in the Holy Ghost on top of that. And you take the shield of faith. And you take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Man, you start adding in all of these things. So anyway, that's the second reason I found for trouble in our life. Gives you an opportunity to use. Use your equipment. Some of you ought to go looking for trouble sometime. You ought to go looking for trouble. (laughs) You know, sometimes, you know what God did when Pharaoh was messing with the children of Israel? You know what the Bible said? The Bible says God hardened his heart. Now, check this out. God was sending a prophet to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And then God would harden Pharaoh's heart so he wouldn't let him go. Anybody ever thought about that? Well, the reason God was doing that, God wanted to use some of this stuff. God wanted to show his power. God says, you're going to let him go, but not just yet. I want to show off a little bit first. So I need an enemy. I need an enemy just so I can show my power. You wouldn't know God was a healer if you never got sick. You wouldn't know the power of God. That was a man born blind, and they asked you, they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, neither. This man was born like this for the glory of God to be made manifest. God want to show himself. And so sometimes God needs some trouble just to show his power. Light shines best against a backdrop of darkness. And so when it's dark in your life, man, crack a smile because this is a perfect setup. It's a perfect setup for God to do something awesome and mighty in your life. So trouble is just fun time. Trouble is fun time. (laughs) 
That's one of the purposes of trouble. Trouble is fun time. It's fun time. Just for you to be able to use everything. You know, think about it. You go to church twice a week all your life. Never use any of it. Man. You <laughs> so trouble is an opportunity for you to use all the equipment, all the arm, everything that heaven has given us. I mean, think about it, folks. You have the name of Jesus. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a blood covenant. You have all of these things that are, that are at your disposal and we never use them. So trouble is when you, you know, you get your artillery out and start using it. You use your artillery. Turn your name and say, use it. Use it, use it, use it. So that's one of the reasons. So if you look back at 2 Corinthians 6, verses 6, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6 and 7, that's what they started doing. They started using it. So notice in verse 4, they were going through much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses. They were being beaten and imprisoned and going through a lot of trouble, labors, watchings. They couldn't sleep. They were in fasting. So they went through nothing. So they overcame it. They started using everything that God had given them. This is when you use the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Use the power of prayer. <laughs> Brother Eddie Lowe is preaching back then. <laughs> but you use the power of prayer. Prayer is a powerful force. It's a powerful force that's made available to the believer. Prayer. I could take prayer by itself and whip the devil all upside his head. I could take prayer by itself. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. So we have trouble. We get the opportunity to use some of these things that God has given us. Man, you should be excited when you're going through. That's why they're just challenges. They're challenges. To another purpose of trouble is it tests your quality. If a team practice and they never had a game, they really don't know how good they are because they haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody. When I'm at home playing basketball by myself, I think I'm Michael Jordan because I haven't played anybody. (laughs) And then after I play somebody, then I think I'm LeBron. It allows you to test your quality. You test your quality. You find out what you really are. And so trouble is a measuring. And so God allows trouble so you can see where you are. You can see where you are. You can see if you're weak. You can see if you're strong, what areas you're weak in. So trouble is a measuring gauge. We can test the quality. That's why the Bible says, that's First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is the trial, as though something strange has happened to you. But no, it's to test the quality. It's to test your quality. It's to test your quality. And so that's one of the purposes of trouble, is to test our quality. But anyway, I went through God's word, and I found maybe ten, about 10 things, what the purpose of trouble in our lives. I found about 10 things. And I don't have time to go through all of those, so you all have to come out on Thursday, too. (laughs) You all have to come out on Thursday to get the rest of them. But trouble is powerful in our lives. It's actually powerful. So that's why Jesus, he said, hey, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Have a good heart on it. Have the right perspective of it. Have the right perspective of it, and you'll be okay. You're going to be fine. You actually can get to the point where you use trouble to your advantage. 
You use trouble to your advantage. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to stop right here. Those of you watching by television, I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this entire message series in its entirety, absolutely free of charge, trouble with a purpose. You can also email it to a friend. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part 5 of the series titled Trouble with a Purpose by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7767. That's 7767. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 7767 to a friend, go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the world.